This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. I'm ready. Are you ready? That's a great theme song. I love it. And John, before we start, I know that when we talk at games and we get into it a little bit, you, you have the ability to go home, but there's one person that for 11 years has not been able to go home. Today's my 11th wedding anniversary to PJ. So, oh, Well, fantastic. God bless her. <laughs> yes, happy anniversary. That. Imagine spending 11 years with me night in, night out, John. Uh, I, I, I would not sign up for that, DB. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, but that's, you know, sometimes I need a break. <laughs> Just wanted to get that in off the top, but uh, let's get rolling with I, Kings I of I have told you the funniest story, though. I, I think I mentioned this on air before. I said it to you privately about how I first heard about you, right? No. I was at the ECHL All-Star Game. And really? Yes. And, and uh, this is when I met Spike, actually. Okay. And Spike was sitting next to me in the press box, and we're chatting and talking, and he's, we're talking about the Kings and this and that. And Spike and I have this instant connection because we both grew up in Los Angeles. Right. So we're, we're, we're competing and going you know, deep into the archives, right? Back into the <laughs> early 90s teams and talking about players. And, and uh, he was with the fourth period at the time, and he right. said, when, when he said he was with the fourth period, and I said, oh, yeah, I've heard of the fourth period, this and that. And he said, well, do you know Dennis Bernstein? And I said, nope, never met him. <laughs> and it, it, so Spike loves to bring up now that, yeah. you know, on that particular night, I, yeah, I had, never, I had never heard of you. And then I met you at shortly the, thereafter. I think it was at DB, at, uh, well, yeah, it was Dustin DB Browns. 23. It was yeah. the Cooper stick. Warrior? So no, it was Cooper. Oh, it was Coop- he was doing okay. that. Pri- Dustin Brown was doing yeah. his own line of sticks at the uh, House of Blues in Anaheim. In Anaheim, yeah. 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 Bobby Ryan was there. Yeah, and yeah it was yeah. a whole little shindig. Yeah. And yeah. that's when I met that's you. That's right. And it then today, long. now we're recording podcasts together, DB. Yeah. We're inseparable yeah. since then. Kick it off, Jay. All right. So uh, there's a lot going on. 
but yet there's yeah. nothing going on all at the same time. It's the weirdest world that we live in right now, DB. Uh, let's just jump right into it. We have a yes. special guest today, Nelson Emerson, Fantastic. obviously yeah. part of the uh, inner circle there of management within the LA Kings. We're going to talk a lot to Nelson Emerson, but why don't we start with uh, some headlines real quick before we move along. Uh, the return to play, some hub cities. Yeah. I know that you and uh, Panyota have been talking about that on your yeah. SiriusXM NHL radio show. Uh, tell us the latest of what's going on with, the, with that situation. Well, I think first and foremost, Vegas is a lock. Okay. I think and there were some uh, stories in the uh, local press there, the a Review Journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably two hotels are going to be you know, probably segregated and would be the uh, Delano, all suite hotel, and mm-hmm. also the Vidara. So okay. that's probably what's going to happen. And then they're leaning towards Toronto. I mean, there's all that talk of Ooh. Edmonton. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't know how you can do it in Vegas. Have you seen the pictures up there? The place is packed. It's packed Vegas with is no masks. booming. I know, it's great. <laughs> and you're going you're gonna to quarantine people they're there. Quarantine okay. people. Right. Well, you know, look, I don't want to be political here, but it's is you know, 27-year-old players with healthy immune systems. So I think they're going to be fine. And look, I know that people have talked criticized Gary Bettman over the years and things of that nature, but the league and the PA have done a phenomenal job in putting down the protocols and the procedures. They've taken their time. When they came out with that 29-page protocol about health and safety, I said, okay, they're serious. They've done their homework. I think this is going to be flawless. And look, yesterday, Boston reported they had somebody had tested positive for COVID-19, but they're fine now. They had two negative tests. So I, I don't sort of something really bad happening, John. This is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that this could be because everybody's healthy. And everybody's starting from a standing start. Um, this could be an amazing playoff. Mm-hmm. I think it absolutely can be. The quality of the play, since everybody's basically healthy, I think is going to be fantastic. And I think it opens a door, and you can you can get weigh in on this, is that now we're at 24 teams. There's a playing round. I don't think we'll be there next season, but I think we're going to go to 20 teams and probably have 7, 8, 9, 10 coming in on a playoff round. Because I think that, that this round is going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think there'll be appetite for the fans. But like your thoughts on expanding the playoffs next season to bring in twenty teams? I'm not ready for it next season. I think that you need to get Seattle in yeah, first, you know, point. because that that even number of teams makes things a lot easier and more competitive across the conferences. But right. you know, uh, there's a part of me that doesn't want to expand beyond the sixteen teams, but I certainly could see something happening. I don't know if it's a best of three or a best of right. five or that plan. We've already seen it. The NFL has gone to it. They've added things. Right. You look at Major League Baseball, which is the most conservative of all of the four leagues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for years, they didn't even want to have interleague play. So, right. so much of that league has changed to the play-in and the wild card and things like that, where they've they've opened up the playoffs. And they're talking about even adding more teams in right. ML, uh, MLB. So, I think you're right. I think it's inevitable when you look at the money that's involved. Um, My question would just be, is there a way to uh, possibly shorten up the regular season? Because it it does make for such a long year. Baseball needs to shorten up the regular season from 162 games. Uh, it'll to 48. Never, it'll never happen. But if you could get yeah. to 100 games or 120 games, right. uh, it, it makes for, I think, a better season. But GB, I think you brought yeah. up a great point, which is the health of the players. Like, for all the negatives about this, this playoff that people want to bring up, the fact that it's happening in the summer, the fact that it's with a truncated season and all that sort of stuff, look at the positives. This is going to be very interesting. I take a team like the Arizona Coyotes, and they had trouble at goaltending. You know, they were great yep. in the first half of the year, and then they were so banged up. And now if you bring everybody back and they're healthy, and you could go through every roster. And Colorado. You could, you could go yep. through the same thing. So yep. it's going to be very, very interesting. I think probably the thing that most intrigues me is, what is the appetite going to be for the American public? We know what the appetite's going to be for mm-hmm. the Canadian public, right? You, you could put three people playing hockey with a rock in a parking lot at a Target, <laughs> and they would, and it would draw huge ratings on, you know, on, on whatever, uh, TSN. Yeah. But... 
what's the interest level going to be? Mm-hmm. So uh, the longer that baseball can't get their act together, right. then then those there are there are eyeballs that are available. And you, NBA too now. And, and, There's and, a large faction of players that may not want to play. And, and that's the one advantage they have for the NHL is that they're not they're doing it in multiple cities. They're not mm-hmm. going to one city. So right. if you're a the Lakers and you're going to be in Orlando, which isn't really a blessing for three months, that that's a challenge, right? Yeah. I get it. I understand it. But the fact that you could be in Toronto and then go to Vegas, there, there's going to be a gap. So, and, and this stuff about never seeing their families, I don't believe that, John. I think there's going to be opportunity times for them to go in and visit with the, with the play, um, with their families. So I don't buy that. Well, there's going to be a number of teams also that'll get to see their families pretty quickly because they're going to get bounced out of the, <laughs> out right. of the play-in round. That's so the they'll, get, they'll get to right. their families pretty quickly. Exactly. Uh, so the hub city thing, uh, from what I understand, LA is still in the mix. I'm with you. It sounds like Vegas is more of a lock. So my question becomes, is it LA or Vegas or is there a possibility where LA and Vegas could end up being yeah. hub cities, which is so intriguing to, to see that so much of the league would be out on the West Coast. See, I think that that scenario would have, they'd want Vegas to, to host a cup final. I think it comes out, because John, they love that arena. The ice there, believe it or not, even when it's 117 degrees, they just love the facility, love the building. The sight lines are great. The sight lines are great. There's no question about hotel space. Now, and granted, all 10 cities that they picked could host it. But I think the one option for L.A. would be uh, the playing round, first round, uh, playing round, first two rounds, and then conference final and the final four and final two. I would really bet money right now it would be Vegas. Sure. Well, like that, yeah. they have already taken over the city, they being the NHL. You know, it's it's much broader than just the Vegas Golden Agreed. Knights. That is a hockey town through and through. Amen. You and I know we've been there. We've experienced yeah. it. We've talked about it before. But to be able to host a cup final there again and just really mm-hmm. cement what a hockey town that is prior right. to the Raiders starting up, I think right. is a... Is, I think somebody broke some news about the minor league team there as well. <laughs> they also have, yes, they also have an AHL team there as well. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Mike Stuthers ends up, uh, which would be fantastic as far as I'm concerned. Put him in Mike Palm Stuthers Springs <laughs> or put him in Vegas. Just, it, would be, it would be great. Uh, as far as, I mean, you know, give yeah. me an opportunity to personally interact with him. So I'm all yeah. for it. I've already called Bill Foley and told him that's my vote. <laughs> you vouch for him. Yeah, I can't get through to LiWiki, though, for some reason. I don't know if he's blocked my number or what What's the deal is. But Come on. Yeah, uh, and if, maybe, maybe I need to have Tim vouch for me so Todd will answer the phone <laughs> to get something going in Palm Springs. DB, um, yeah. I really want to reserve as much time as possible today for Nelson Emerson. Sure, but let's talk about the LA Kings Awards. Yeah. Uh, this is something you and I love to debate every year. <laughs> or maybe I just love to debate it with you. I don't know if it if it flows both you're wrong. ways. No. Yes. No that's way. my favorite time of the year to tell you that you're wrong about the LA Kings Awards. This year, I don't know, DB, it just came across so flat to me as I was looking over the yeah. ballot. There was nothing that really excited me. So let's just get into it. Um, I know the Kings have not announced their official awards yet, but our ballots have been submitted. They were due this week. So MVP. Who did you go with for MVP? Kopitar. I went with Kopitar as well. You know what what makes me sad though? What? I couldn't even come up with an argument for a number two person. Did you you have somebody else in mind? No. Like I just went down the roster real quick and I was like, no. Who could I even argue just for the sake of fun? I couldn't come up with somebody. Yeah. Okay. So Kopitar for MVP. Can't wait to see how the rest of the media voted. Best newcomer we had uh, to pick from. They give you the list here. So we had Martin Furk, Ben Hutton. Uh, who I'm sure was your vote. Lazat, the, the lizard, might have been your second vote. Uh, Trevor Moore, didn't even know that he qualified. Yeah, I think he only man. played three games with the Kings. Uh, who else? Then we had Porky, uh, Matt Roy, and uh, Ryan. Who'd you go with? 
Matt Roy. Yeah, I went with Matt Roy too. Oh, this wow. Is so boring, two. DB. We're two for two. This is awful. I don't think we've ever run the table <laughs> no, before. No, okay. We've never started off two for two. <laughs> okay. Well, there are only two more categories that we vote on Might because be the players vote on here. some other ones. It yeah. could be outstanding defensemen. Uh, the candidates that they served up to us were Mikey Anderson, Drew Doughty, Ben Hutton, uh, Curtis McDermott, Roy, Ryan, and Walker. Matt Roy. Matt Roy. DB, I have to tell you, I don't remember if I went with Matt Roy or not. I think I did. I think I did, actually. Yeah. Uh, it was either Roy or Dowdy. And I, I might have gone with Dowdy just because uh, regardless of <laughs> whatever uh, fancy stats you see out there about Dowdy, I just always come back to the fact that um, if you were to ask any other general manager in the league who's the defenseman off the team that you want, yeah, it would I be Drew Dowdy. So Matt Roy had an outstanding he year. Did. I'm taking nothing away from him, but... Uh, Drew Doughty probably is who I voted for. I guess I have How to go. Did Matt Roy get a plus 16 and Drew got a minus 16. On the okay. Matter. Well, but it's not all right. about plus minus Jack Johnson. Know, Calm down. Happen? All right. Uh, best defensive player. Kopitar. Yeah, it's Kopitar. So there you go. It's not, not that exciting fans. I'm sorry. No. Next year, DB, I think we'll have a lot to argue about when it comes <laughs> yes, to we, we, will. we better. Best newcomer. We will. Oh, oh best newcomer. Sure. Boy, we That's could be, a, we should ask Nelson Emerson drinking. right now. We'll yeah. ask him 12 months in advance. <laughs> Can you please predict the best newcomer? That would be fantastic. Uh, I mentioned Perkorkin just a yeah. moment ago as best newcomer, which he did not uh, get a vote from, from either of us. But, no. uh, the news came out this week or I reported the news this week. Um, Looks like that he was offered a two-year deal in the KHL. On the last Kings of the Podcast, we talked about the fact that there are about six players down at the bottom end of the, uh, the bottom six, if you will. Yeah, like a bubble, right. uh, That are bubble players, right? So the Kings had to pick. They can only keep four of these players. Grunstrom, Trevor Lewis, who of course is a UFA, but still. Grunstrom, Lewis, Luff, Wagner, Perkorkin. Um, Amadio, and so if you take uh, Perkorkin out of there, you could put Kaliev in that mix. I think he would be considered a long shot if I was a, a betting person, but uh, last time on the podcast, we yeah. went through who we each thought would be the four of those six that make the final roster. If you guys didn't listen to it, go back and listen to uh, the last episode. Sure. Uh, one, more, one more topic then, DB, before yeah. we move on, bring in Nelly, uh, the CBA. The CBA is, uh, is back in the news again, really, because of not only the NHL, but Major League Baseball and, and, and whatnot. Um, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this. Yeah, so, and we've had Matthew Schneider on our uh, radio show about a month or so ago. He said the league has never been more forthcoming and transparent with respect to their conversations. And because I think that this is the one sport that understands that they're working here to come back, to bring the sport back for the greater good, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're not being as selfish as other sports are. Um, they understand that. And because of the, the <laughs> harmony. Was that shots fired, DB? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get it. But look, look, look if, if you're making $35 million and the boss says, no, nah, you're going to make $8 million this year, I'd have a beef too. So I, I get both sides of the argument on MLB. Uh, but uh, because the conversation's been really so positive and there's been such uh, um, a level of communication and harmony between the PA and NHL, I think we got a really legit shot at a three- to five-year extension on the CBA. Uh, now, I do think that Olympic participation, unfortunately, will be a, a sticking point, but all the conversation I hear and all the chat I hear is that they might be able to forge it. And if they could get it done, John, before they start hockey again, that would be amazing. I'm not sure that they will, but everything positive in the one sport that, uh, you know, you thought that maybe there'd be another work stoppers because of Escobar. I just think that COVID-19 
the, maybe the one minor benefit is that everybody understands that like, wow, like what's our future? Like we really need to come together and, and forge a, a document or an agreement that, that works for both sides. And I think they will. Um, the players are definitely going to take a hit with es- escrow next year, but I think they understand that as well. But that's the one positive. That there's been so much communication this between the two sides the that I would expect certainly by the fall that we have on the CBA and we have to worry about a work stoppage again. I also think that with Seattle right there ready to come in, yeah. that the league it has a major motivation another major motivator that is to get a deal done right you don't want a work stoppage around the time that you're trying to bring in a new expansion team so keep keep the harmony keep the train rolling this is a great start to get the return to play in the summer figure out what you're going to do for next season starting in november or whatever it is and then just keep things moving from there so with that being said db let's bring in nelson emerson and uh we'll be back after the break Welcome back, second period, and of course, we're bringing in our guest this time around. We're bringing in Nelson Emerson. He was a player. He was an assistant coach. He's been involved in management. We have a ton of stories to get to. Nelly, how are you? I'm doing uh, pretty good. I'm doing good. And, um, you know, going through this just like everybody else. I hope you're doing well, too. We're doing okay. And you know what? When we were doing some of the show prep for this, a funny little tidbit came up. You're one of the rare guys that the nickname is based off the first name. Everybody else, Brownie, <laughs> Copy, Blakey, everything's off the last name. Nelly's off the first name. Do you know any other players that you can think of? First name, nickname? Well, as soon as you started telling that story, I started going through my head and I go, Jesus, I can't be. That's awesome. <laughs> Holy smokes. That's, I never thought of that. Well, <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm in college and in high school growing up, my nickname was always Emmer. Okay. You know, going all the way, I even think in Bowling Green at school, it was Emmer. And then for some reason, as soon as I got to the minors and pro, it just switched to Nelly. And, um, but geez, now you guys got me thinking. Now I'm going to be going over everybody's name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a random text at 11 p.m. tonight when you finally figured it out. Um, well, they yeah. had to they had to switch your nickname though because in the pros you could only have a nickname that ends in I E or Y. That's like an unwritten <laughs> rule. So Emmer, just you were already going against the grain. They had to they had to switch it. That's yeah. Here's a term pro. That's just the rule, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of turning pro, let's hit. A, uh, I want to talk a lot about prospects today. Uh, obviously, uh, intimately involved with what's going on in the future of the organization. But your career, in and of itself, is a fascinating one. Twelve years in the NHL, eight different teams. Um, can you name them in order, by the way? Can I name them? I could, but let's let's, let's be honest. Two of those teams moved, so I don't think they call it. They like you know, like Hart, uh, Hartford and Carolina. I don't know. Should that be the same? Maybe. And then, uh, okay, you know. And then I was on, um, you know, I was in Winnipeg, and that team moved to the to Arizona at the time. So I don't know. I was a, I was on, I was one of those guys that seemed to be on teams, and then they end up moving cities. <laughs> well, please don't move the Kings. Dennis and I would have nothing no, to no, talk about. Stay in LA. Um, you know, one of the interesting things also about your your career and all those different teams, besides the fact that Ottawa, you were only there for about three games, what? 
the two teams that you played the most games for happen to be the bookends on your career. You played more games in St. Louis at the beginning and more games in Los Angeles at the end. Uh, there's a little interesting tidbit. You you also yeah. wore... Oh, go ahead. No, I, I, yeah, no, for sure. Keep going. You also wore about like a bazillion it. numbers, including three numbers in Los Angeles, which I know I, I spoke with you about several months ago. It feels like 10 years ago with this COVID thing, but you wore 17, 7, and 19 in LA, any any funny stories about the switching of all the numbers? Um, when I got to LA, Bobby Corcoran was here, and he was he was number nineteen. So, um, you know, I, I was just a number I got right off the bat, and then I liked seven because seven was a number I wore a few different times uh, as a pro, and then obviously nineteen was it's my favorite number, and you know, once it became available, that that was the one I wanted to wear. Yeah, for sure. Bob Corkum, of course, former Mighty Duck, original yes, Mighty original. Duck, I believe, the inaugural season. Yes. He was, uh, he was a Mighty Duck and University of Maine, Black Bear. I think I, I played against him when I was at Bowling Green in college. We played against Maine, and they were loaded back then. And um, they had a good program, really good program. He was, he was a really good college player, Bob Corkum. So we'll get to Bowling Green as well. Um it, it, the three years you were in LA and, I, and I'm sorry, I'm trying to move along quickly because there's so many prospect things to ask you about, but I, I do want to hit on some points in your career. So interesting time uh, and don't want to make this about Rob Blake, but interesting that you were with Blake at Bowling Green. Then you played with him in Los Angeles and then against him because he ends up being traded. Um, we've covered the Blake trade from so many different angles through the years, right? But it was always about from the Kings management perspective and from Blake's perspective of being traded to Colorado, never really thought about it from a teammate and from a friend perspective until getting ready for this. What do you remember about that time of he's then traded to Colorado and, and, and all the, the hoopla that went around that? Is there anything that stands out? Well, uh, I do remember when it happened, uh, having a real, real late night in Calgary when it went down after. So we were out late at a bar and, um, you know, we were in shock. We really were. It was a surprise. To, it was, we knew it was, we knew it could happen. We knew it might happen. But obviously when you trade a player that stature, it's a shock to, shock to the team and shock to everybody individually. So, um, you know, it's just a, a great player moving on to, you know, a team that was already awesome in Colorado and, you know, we thought we were a good team. We really did. We thought we were a team that was, you know, right there in the midst of everything. And, um, you know, when you lose a player like that, your best player, you're like, holy crap, you know, how are we going to be able to move forward? But, you know, in hockey, it is like it is. It's not about one guy. And, um, you know, our team did move on and, and we played well moving forward. But it was a surprise and it was um, it was a shock that we all had to deal with. And. You know, it's interesting because people like to talk about the 93 Kings team being kind of the high water mark up until 2012. And when they do that, I think they're really disrespecting that that era of the L.A. Kings. Um, there was a good team there for a couple of years, as you just mentioned, including in 2001. You guys, you beat Detroit and then you take the Avalanche to seven games. Any key things that stand out besides, of course, playing um, against Blake or or maybe even besides the, uh, you know, the Belanger Deadmarsh heroics in the Detroit series, but just about that run and how good that team was? Yeah, we were right there. Honestly, we really were. And I love talking about that group because we were we were a team that maybe wasn't, you know, a team that everyone, anyone was picking to win anything. Colorado and Detroit, they were loaded up. And um, it was great because it was what hockey is all about. We came together and, 
you know, we had to we had to do what we had to do to win, and that was win two to one, win one nothing. Uh, Pop and Annette was playing unbelievable. So it was, mm-hmm. We all sacrificed. We really did. And uh, you know, I remember. I mean, we were it was myself, uh, Smolinski, and Glenn Murray. We were matched up against uh, the Sackett Forsberg line, and you know, and then Rob was on defense there. So as me as a as a winger, I was playing left wing because Glenn Murray was playing right wing, and so my job was basically to cover. Blakey all the time and I mean honestly it was it was it was every shift you had to be 100% focused because you know that team was so good and you know we pushed them to the brink but they were better than us and honestly we were one period away from from moving on um Brian Spolinski hit a post there at the end of the second period in Colorado and um honestly it's uh you know they scored I think two in the third or three in the third and but it was a really good team, really good team. We we, we wish we could have stayed together because we think we think we could have been good for a number of years. So, yeah, you know. yeah, it was a it, it was a, a real bummer. I think at that period of time because that was the best team uh, that the Kings had. Up, you know, w- when you look back um, since '93, and there was a lot of excitement with the team having recently moved to downtown and, and Staples Center, just being a couple years. Right. Uh, being there a couple of years. One, one more Blake question, and then we'll move on. Uh, Bowling Green, you mentioned that when you were at Bowling Green, you had your first year, your freshman year. He wasn't there yet. He shows up for year two. Do you actually remember the moment that you met him? Well, we're, we're from the same area back home, John. So, I mean, um, I knew him before that because we played junior. We didn't play together. Uh, we didn't play the junior together, but we played in the same hometown. So, uh, we got to meet each other that way. So, you know, part of, part of him coming to Bowling Green, there was a little recruiting, uh, you know, tactic there. And I think he, you know, he was, he was interested in coming to Bowling Green because maybe, you know, someone from the area back home was already there. So we, we knew that him coming in and we knew we were getting a good player, but remember, <laughs> you know, you go back to watch Rob in college as a freshman, he's gangly six, three or six, four, 190 pounds. And, just grown into his body. So um, Jerry York was our coach. That's another great story. I mean, that's the winningest coach in college hockey. What a what a human being this guy is. He's just tremendous. And so Jerry was our coach, and Rob came into college. And um, it's like all of us. When we go to college as a freshman, holy smokes, are we green. <laughs> we don't know what's going on at all. And and honestly, if, if we could go back and follow him around with the camera, or any of us, really, I mean, <laughs> It was just a person trying to figure everything out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, you were traded five times, interestingly. Once for Phil Housley, once for Paul Coffey. That's pretty amazing in and of itself. That deal for Paul Coffey, by the way, was straight up. Nelson Emerson well, for Paul Coffey. Why is that amazing? <laughs> 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 Let's just say it's interesting. Uh, yeah. but the deal, the deal, no. the deal to LA. People, go ahead. It's funny when I say I tell the same story and I tell people that they just they just it goes right over the head and they just look at me like I got nine heads. <laughs> the deal for LA. Uh, some fans listening will remember that went down uh, March thirteenth in two thousand. Uh, that was you and Bucky um, coming over for Audette and and Caberlet, uh from Atlanta. What was it like? Right. You were in Atlanta for a period of time there. I mean, it's a very short period of time, but still, hockey in Atlanta. It just doesn't register for me. What was it like being a player there during that time? Well, I thought it was going to be okay. I mean, it was the first year. Um, you know, I, I thought I I thought I would be there, you know, through the duration of my contract. I had a you know, long contract, and, you know, they told me that I was same thing, you know, that you're going to be here a long time and build this franchise. And, 
I, I, I didn't mind it. I mean, we, we were a struggling team and a struggling organization just trying to figure everything out. There's a lot of stories about, you know, that. But we weren't a very good team. We really weren't. Um, expansion team, really poor. But, you know, we played in a nice building, brand new building downtown Atlanta. Traffic there is awful. We're trying to get to the to the rink from where we lived. It, you know, it took forever. Um, the trade happened. I was shocked. And they wouldn't tell me where I got traded to. They just came in and said, you're traded. And then, but we can't tell you. <laughs> Wait, and I was like, what so do go you home and pack, but you don't know where you're going? That's exactly right. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> and um, I think it was because maybe, maybe LA was about to play the game and the players were still playing. So maybe Donald was that was still playing and, and, and then Caberlet, I guess. So anyway, so, I was shocked, but then when they said L.A., I was like, uh, Kelly Buckberg and I were like, okay, well, we'll do this, this, this is good. <laughs> and, um, you know, so we did that. Actually, Donald was that bought my house in Atlanta, so that made it easier. But, um, Fantastic. Yeah, it's been, you know, so, so it was easy coming coming to L.A. I knew a lot of the players, and Bucky knew a lot of the players. Uh, you know, and, and coming with another person, you know, coming with Kelly, it always makes it easier when you trade with somebody else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you have that you know camaraderie and, and you know at least communication of uh, of bringing one of your teammates with you. A um, couple of other quick ones here uh, in Winnipeg. You had Andy Murray as an assistant coach. Obviously, LA Kings fans familiar with Andy Murray from his coaching time in LA. When I say Andy Murray, what sticks out? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, well, most prepared, prepared, like un- unbelievable how prepared of a coach he is. And- you know, he really makes sure his players are ready. Or not. You know, I think one of the first guys that ever, you know, a lot of video, a lot of sheets, a lot of paperwork, a lot of studying, things like that. Um, but he was great to me. He really was. Um, you know, like you said, I had him in Winnipeg as an assistant coach and then, you know, um, and then was with him for a long time in L.A. And, and it goes a long way back. But, you know, when I first, when I retired, you know, when I retired, I was kind of, I was only out of hockey for two or three months, and Andy asked me to come on board with the Kings as a coaching, as a, was it, was it, what do you call it? What's my term? Uh, coach's aide. That's what I did. I was a coach's aide with Andy for two years, um, unpaid, just a volunteer, and just kind of learning and, and trying to figure that all out. So I got to give him, you know, I, he's a great person. He really helped me out a lot, um, brought me along that way. And, um, good coach, still coaching, still coaching at Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, great, great career he's had. So you moved from, from that position into the, being the video coach under Crawford, right? Exactly. That's how it worked. Yeah. Right. So, so, I, so I started as a volunteer for a couple of years, um, coaches aid, you know, it, it was, I was just working at home. Uh, I mean, the home games, I didn't travel with the team or anything. And, and he, he brought me along and, you know, he gave me roles and, Give me things to do and work with them and things like that and help all the coaches. And, um, yeah, it was great. Great experience. So 2006 rolls along. Dean comes in as the GM. Um, Mark Crawford comes in as the coach. You're the video coach. You're there as the assistant for a couple of years. And some key things happened. I mean, in three years that you were, you were the assistant, Kopitar makes his NHL debut the first year that you were behind the bench. And in your last year, Terry Murray comes in. He's hired. Uh, and then Drew Doughty makes his debut. So two of the cornerstones of the franchise happen to make their NHL debuts on your watch. Any of those three things, Mark Crawford, Kopitar debut, Doughty debut, any of those stand out more than another? Uh, 
Hey, I was I was just getting my feet wet as a video coach, and that was like all of a sudden they're throwing a computer in front of you and saying, "Okay, you got to tape the games, you got to um, you know make sure you record everything and do all this." So I was, I was, you know, trying to learn all that. That was frantic, but obviously I was there when in, in Anaheim when Kofi scored that goal, going around Pronger, and you know, right then and there you realize, okay, here we go, right? You, you, you got a super a superstar on your hands and then you know obviously uh drew comes in and just his ability to do what he did at such a young age i mean um really unseen and um it was just a when you look back now and you look wow you know it's what a what a i was lucky to be actually here at that time to to watch those you know those players grow there was one thing earlier in your career I did forget to ask you about. You threw a puck in the net in overtime, <laughs> Winnipeg, Winnipeg versus Chicago. What's the deal there? Well, Dennis, it's awesome, right? You guys see that on uh, YouTube. <laughs> it's we on YouTube, yes. That up right away. <laughs> That's the only thing that comes up if you plug my name into that stupid YouTube. You know, I did score almost 200 goals in the NHL, but that, that one comes up all the time. But anyway, uh, and it was it's awesome because the the, the guys on the ice on the other team, if you really, if you slow it down and look at them, it's like, um, Brent Sutter, um, Daryl Sutter's a coach. You got Belfour and Nett. You got Kelly, you know, going crazy. Steve Smith, um, Larmer's out there. I mean, they're just loaded with guys who are just like, um, old school hockey guys. And I threw a puck in the net. And, <laughs> and, the, and the, and I really did. And it's, well, I did throw it. I kind of dropped it there, hoping that it may go in and they might count it. And they did count it. And the funniest thing is they they went to review. Like, they actually reviewed it. And, you know, I think it's just one of those NHL rules. The rule is, like, the puck go across the line. So that's what they were reviewing. Right, right. And to see, you know, Eddie, Eddie Balfour and these guys, and um, actually when they were reviewing it, like, Keith Kachuk and – you know, the guys I'm with, you know, we're loaded in Winnipeg with young superstars, Dan Love and a couple of and So, anyways, Keith Chuck and Kalani's on that team, Steven Kalani. And so, they're, they're going like, hey, we're all going in the locker room. So, we all went in the locker room, and Chicago's still on the ice because we're in the locker room going, hey, there's no way they're going to count this goal, but let's go in here and pretend. <laughs> let's go in here and pretend. And, uh, yeah, so it was a game winner in overtime, too. Right. <laughs> It's fantastic. Great. Hey, away from the ice, uh, here's one for you. From what I understand, you're very, I know you're, you're an avid surfer. From, from uh, what I understand, your very first surf trip lasted all of about one minute and ended up with a broken nose. Uh, you went all the way to San Onofre, right? Yeah, I did. That's true. So we were just learning and, um, you know, just learning and you know we bought the biggest surfboards and blah 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 and we're so excited we go we're going to go on a surf trip and pack the boards up and go all the way to San Clemente which is not all the way I mean we just we drove down there and we got up early we're up at five o'clock to get down there and be ready and um so we go in and so nervous like I'm nervous because we're all nervous and it's Glenn Murray and Rob Blake and then a couple other guys are with us too and you know, so we're nervous. We paddle out. And it's a long paddle. Like, we're not very good at it. So it took us, you know, and we're tired and our arms are sore. And we finally get out to the, you know, to the point to, to where we're supposed to be sitting. And the waves come. And we're nervous. So we don't take, it takes us a while to take one. But finally, 
uh, Glenn Murray and I both paddle for this wave and we both get it, which is amazing. So we're both on the wave and we ride it for, you know, five seconds or whatever, 10 seconds. And then cause there you can ride them actually. And also we both fall off at the same time and my head comes up out of the water and boom, right in, right in the nose. And I felt it right there. I'm like, Oh, that hurt. And I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding everywhere. Right. And so I paddle in and um, long story short, I had to go to the hospital there and thankful thank you. And they picked me up and, you know, like the guys I'm with, none of them took me. They didn't want to go. Some of them wanted to leave the surfing. So I had to find somebody on the beach that I didn't even know, and they're nice enough to drive me to the hospital. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Muzz just, hmm. he left you there? I mean, he just, he, he didn't want to get out of the water? They didn't even leave the water. They were, <laughs> they were like, no, it'll be all right. He'll be all right. Well, now, now, did you ever break your nose playing hockey? Yeah, I did. Oh, so you did. Okay, I, so it wasn't I, the first time. I broke my nose a few times, yeah, and, okay. um, but it hurt. Like problem, problem was, is you guys, I don't know if you've ever been hit by a surfboard. Like, I got right, right in the nose there, and I think it knocked me out for, like, a second. You know what I mean? You just to just hit you that, like, that way. And, unfortunately, I had a few concussions in hockey, so I'm like, oh, boy, I hope I'm not going to sink to the bottom here. <laughs> but, um, anyways, I got kicked up and at the hospital, came back, and then to this day, Muzz, Glenn Murray won't admit that it was his surfboard. Like he kind of says it was mine. Well, then that's it. We just booked yeah. our next guest. We're going to have to have Glenn Murray on and get to the bottom right. of the, the surfboard story yeah. because I heard that it was Glenn Murray's board that broke your nose. Well, it was. For sure. <laughs> okay. We'll get, we'll get to the bottom of that. But he won't admit it. But there's a whole the surf story. Like, here's the thing. Like, as a hockey player, you grew up in, and it's golf, right? You just golf and that's what you do. Because it really relaxes your golf does and, um, you can really get to know about a person if you play golf with them. And, but anyways, so golf was the thing. That's what I did when I lived in St. Louis and Atlanta and just everywhere back home in Canada, I golf. But the problem is now you, you get kids and then I get into management and you just don't have the time, right? Mm-hmm. Seven days a week we're working and you don't have time to take off five hours. So I had to find something to do where I could clear my head and, you know, it just, we used to play volleyball a bit, but then like stare out the ocean and, and no one surfed. We didn't, you know, you just didn't want to do it. And then finally one day we decided, let's try it. And probably like everybody out here, you do it and, you know, it really does relax you. It clears your head. It, 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 you get out there and you can just, you're more alert when you get out of the water. And the thing is, it's, you know, you can go for 30 minutes, 35, 40, you know, minutes. And, you know, you can catch a couple ways and then be done. So it's less time than golf. And you know it's something that we do. We love it now, and I think it's I think it's a good activity for us for sure. Let's get into the prospects a little bit. That's a fantastic story. Uh, prospect wise, we released the top fifteen. This is the first time, by the way, ever. So Mayor's Manor puts out the top prospect list every year, and uh, it's normally been ten top ten, with kind of honorable mentions being the other guys that were just sitting outside the top ten. The prospect pool has become so deep in Los Angeles that this year we went with the top 15 and still did the honorable mention. So there were guys that didn't even make the list. Uh, let's start with the, the guys 11 through 15. So 15, you had Noisinen, you had Holtz, Dersey, Dudas, and Fajimo. And of course, I took heat for putting Fajimo at 11, but I will argue with anybody. Tell me who in the top 10 uh, he gets to replace to, to put him in the top 10. But Noisinen, Holtz, Dersey, Dudas, Fajimo 
Which of those guys sort of stands out the most to you as somebody who you think is going to be making an impact sooner rather than later? Oh, I have to. Um, point is Fagan in this in that group? Yes. John? Yes. Well, I think I think he's you know I've always I've been a huge I'm a fan of all these guys, but for some reason when. You know, when, when we go watch him play, just he stands out because of how tenacious he is. So, um, you know, if I was picking a guy, you know, it might be him. And, and why I say that, too, is why he might have a leg up on a few other guys is just because of the fact that he played in the men's league in, in Sweden. So he's already played against, um, you know, older players in a good league. And you could argue the same thing for Sturgeon, yes, too, because he played in the NHL last year. But, you know, there's just something about uh, Fagamo where he doesn't leave a stone unturned whereas every shift he's given everything he's got, uh, he's on the puck and he gets your attention. He gets your attention because of his work ethic, um, skating, he's in there, he's involved. Um, he's a player that you notice. So, um, you know, I might pick him just because of some of those attributes. Holtz is one of those guys that just has a different level of intensity, at least in the interactions that I've had. Nice kid, don't get me wrong, but just you can tell the, the level of intensity that he has even off the ice. Is that something that, that's come through when, when you've, uh, you, you know, co- had conversations with him and spoken with him? You're talking about Holtz now? Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry, Cole Holtz. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, when you, he's, he's a kid that has gone through college life, and he seems to be so organized now with things, um, so well thought out, um, you know, very mature. And I think that showed in his play this year, you know, in college, just because how he was able, he was a way confident player, um, felt that when he went on the ice, he was going to be a, yeah, he was going to have a good shift, good period, good game. He just felt like he was, you know, in the position where this will be my last year in college and then I will turn pro. That's the impression I got from him that, okay, I've done what I can do in college. Um, now I'm ready to be a pro. Um, he's kind of, you know, I'm not going to say he's like Mike Anderson or plays. You know, the same as Mike Anderson, but he's got some of those same qualities. Whereas, you know, he's always he's in the right position a lot. He can make a good first pass, um, and then he and then he can defend. Doesn't get himself in a lot of in a lot of trouble. So, you know, we're looking forward to him being a pro. But John, like you know, like it's not you know all of a sudden you're going from college to you know whether it's the HL or NHL. It's a huge step. So. Mm-hmm. In the next batch of five, uh, at number 10 was Jared Anderson Dolan, nine, Akil Thomas, eight, Clegg, seven, Mikey Anderson, who you just mentioned, and then number six, Kapari. Anderson Dolan, is he ready for the NHL? I know that the goal coming into this past season was to get him ready. Is he ready to challenge for an NHL roster spot come come training camp, whenever that is, and, you know, a couple months later this year? No, he's ready. He's ready because he went through that whole process, and, uh, you know, it's it's interesting how he did it. And, you know, he did it the way like like we know of him as a kid and as a player. He just kind of went down there and he put his uh, nose to the grindstone. Um, he had a good, he had a, you know, a, he had a he had a good idea of what he wanted to accomplish down there. And by the end of the year, you see the coach when the coach looks down the bench and he. Needs to figure out who I'm going to put on the ice in this situation. It was him. You know what I mean? So 
Um, AD got to play in all the different roles that were, he was counted on by his coach. And, and that's why I say he's ready because, you know, he earned the coach's trust and the coach's praise as a 20 year old. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that, that's hard to do. So, so the only, the one thing left for him to do is maybe just, you know, you know, put up some numbers offensively, something like that in the HL, but that's not a concern for us because, you know, we we know him as the player he is, and, and he's an honest player. He's going to be able to play up and down your lineup. He can play um, wing or center. Um, so he is ready, but it will just depend on you know what I mean, like you know where we are at. Um, if, if the position is needed at that time, then the slot in. Um, but then again, he's only 20 years old. He's only played you know one year in the AHL. So mm-hmm. um, lot to think of, but pretty proud of him in the year he had. Yeah, and there's also, you know, uh, competition for those spots as well. We talked about it in the first period on the show before we had you on. I mean, you have guys like Grunstrom, plus you have Amadio and Wagner and other guys. Uh, Trevor Lewis is a UFA, but, you know, could be re-signed for one year to bring him back maybe for some experience and leadership right. among that bottom six. So there's there's definitely a competition, uh, and, and, you know, he would be in that mix there. Other guys there in that group that I was just referring to, so you have Akil Thomas, Clegg, Anderson, and Kapari. I'll skip uh, Clegg and Anderson and talk about Akil and Kapari. I see both of these guys eventually moving to the wing. I just don't think there's room for them at a, at a crowded center spot, which is, you know, there's a lot of depth at center in the LA organization right now, which is a good thing. Um, and any thoughts about Akil as either a center versus a wing, and then same thing, Kapari as a center versus a wing? Well, we, we like them. We like both at center, right? We do because that's, you know, um, because they can do it. But the one thing is where, that we feel very confident and comfortable with is they can play the wing. So um, if you, there's, there's two, two things for each guy that will stand out for them to be effective on the wing. Um, Kapari is the speed. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be able to use the speed um, as a winger, um, basically to, you know, get down the, that side of the ice to get open for his centerman. And the second thing would be he's going to be able to get in on puck. Um, and he's going to be able to um, make defenders do things quicker because of the speed. So that's why, as a winger, um, he would be effective. And, and Akil, as a winger, now this is something that I think is really interesting. He's a, I, th- I, I think of Akil as a, as, a, as a playmaker and a scorer, and he can do both. And that's what I'm talking as a centerman. But as a winger, he can do the same thing. You know what I mean? He can, he can, he can make plays off the wing. And, and one thing I remember, um, you know, I remember actually Dean, Dean and Barty would talk about this is, you know, if you can get a, if you can get a winger, um, that can make plays as well as score, you know, that's something that you don't see too often. Um, I remember a guy in New Jersey used to be maybe the one that's best that is, uh, Patrick Elias. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's a, he's a winger, but he's still, he's a winger, but plays like a sentiment. And, you know, that just helps your line out totally. Like, Justin Williams could do that. You know what I mean? Like, he could, he could score. Obviously, we know he could score. But then, he, then he's got his head up and he can make a lot of plays. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, you see a kill, um, a guy like that. Um, I think he could play the wing by, um, you know, just having that, you know, the capability of being able to do those things. So, a couple guys with a, with a couple different assets that we feel fortunate enough to be able to move centermen to the wing if needed. And and you know what? Hey, I I don't want. I'm only talking about myself, but Brian Sutter, Daryl's brother, he moved me from center to wing after I played a whole year in the minors. I played in Peoria in the minors the whole year. I played I played center my whole life 
and then played uh, played 100 games in the minors at center. And I played center during training camp. And then all of a sudden, the day we stayed, the morning stay of the season, Brian Sutter brought me into his office and said, um, congratulations, you made the team, but you're a right winger now. So I got to sleep on it in the afternoon, and then, you know, I was a right winger. My whole career. That's so there fantastic. You uh, but yeah. they can do it. Well, for sure they can. And when you think about that depth that I was mentioning earlier, I mean, you have Kopitar, Velarde, Turcotte, Jod down the middle, plus you have Akil Thomas and Kapari. That doesn't even mention Lazat and Dudas. And then getting me to the next player, Tyler Madden. So the top five uh, on, on our prospect list, we had Tyler Madden at five, then Kaliev at four, Bjornfoot, Turcotte two, Velarde one. We'll get to those guys. But Tyler Madden, here's a player. The Kings traded Tyler to Foley. I mean, coming off of arguably probably the best last game of any player who played in the King, you know, in the King's history, the outdoor game. But then you get a guy who slots in as a top five prospect. What a fantastic deal, even though it bummed fans out at the time that Toffoli leaves town to be able to get Tyler Madden, uh, the bloodlines, everything, just what, obviously he needs to put on some, some strength. I mean, he looks like he's 14, um, but what do you, what do you like about this player? And when you think about the future, are we looking at, two to three years before, you know, he probably realistically would be able to uh, compete for an NHL job. I know he left college a little bit early, so he's going to head to the American League next year. Just talk about him as a player and maybe where you see his career path going. Yeah, hockey player. You know, when I first think of him, and and by that I mean um, watch him play, and he does, he does a lot of different things on the ice. A lot of things that might go unnoticed, but then you you know you watch him closer or you watch him play more games and you're like oh man he just does that automatically or naturally so that's what I think and and what that what I mean by that is you know he he gets into those flows he plays a 200 foot game he plays the right way he's always on the right side of the puck um, plays with his head he's smart um, kind of like a, you know a Mikey Anderson on defense but this guy's a centerman you know what I mean. Um, again, he's smart enough where he can also play the wing, you know, things like that. But, you know, I, it, it goes, you know, it goes back and you hear this. I've heard this. I've read about this. And I remember reading this about this like years ago. And you said he's a coach's son. He plays like he's a, he plays like he's a coach's son. And, you know, I remember reading that years ago. And, and then you follow that along the line and you keep, you keep, that in your memory bank, and, and that's what this kid is. You know what I mean? Like you, you can tell that his, you can tell that his dad, you know, coach coaches, or you can tell his dad, his dad played in NHL, but then became a coach. So a lot of this is maybe rubbed off into Tyler, and you know, and he he does he does, he does these things. So um, we were very we we're real excited. Obviously, losing uh, to Foley was you know something that you know Ty, how was that last game? scored three goals so yeah. you know that was something else but then you know you're getting a player you're getting a player like this in return it's very exciting I don't know John I'm not sure how long it will take for him you know the miners like you said he is he is smaller slight right he's still tall he's tall but he's you know got to put some weight on but his his hockey brain his hockey brain is going to propel him a little faster than others um even though his, his weight might be a detriment right now okay so Arthur Kaliev, <clears throat> this is probably a prospect that uh, I've talked about or written more about in the last year than any other Kings prospect. So we, we've covered it in depth. We know all about Kaliev. He's a Dodger fan. He's a goal scorer. Um, he's a very underrated passer. Uh, he needs to uh, work on his defense a little bit more. Um, tell us something about Kaliev that maybe we haven't covered already. Well, 
Um, I hope so. He's a do- I love the fact that he's a Dodger fan. I love the fact that he loves baseball or other sports. But so I, I would love to get him in a batting cage. I love it. He can swing. I remember we took Jack Johnson to the batting cage once, and that wasn't perfect. You know, thought he'd be the perfect All American, have the best swing, and all this kind of stuff. Not so. But hopefully, Artie uh, is is not only a fan, but can actually uh, you know feel the ball and things like that. But anyways, no, Artie is. Um, we're obviously really excited about him and the fact that you know probably got him signed there a couple of weeks ago, and you know so that that hurdles over. And, you know, now we can concentrate on him, you know, once we start up getting him here. But, you know, he's, he's, he, he's a tremendous goal scorer, right? That's what we think of when we think of him. But I've heard other people and yourself even, you know, mention that Artie can make plays. And, mm-hmm. You know, he's a, he's a tremendous passer. And I remember talking to you about this earlier. You know, I was fortunate enough to play with some great players. But, you know, Brett Hall and Brennan Shanahan were some of the greatest passers that, that I played with. So, um, you know, Artie, when you talk about Artie being a great passer, I think that's typical of these tremendous goal scorers. So, anyways, Artie's got to, you know, we're going to continue to work on his foot speed. We're going to continue to work on his pace of play. Um, because Todd McCall in, in our system, it's fast and skating and, you know, everybody's pursuing pucks and things like that. So, you know, we'll continue to help Artie out with that. Our development staff does a great job with him. Uh, Craig Johnson have a great relationship, and um, you know we'll just continue that. Uh, we're we're really excited about obviously every guy that we're going to talk about on this list, but especially Artie. Let, let me clarify earlier. I should have mentioned this. Uh, Kaliev he grew up a Mets fan, but he's already purchased a couple of Dodgers hats. He's been to Dodger Stadium. I'm converting him, so I don't want to go on record and say he's officially a Dodger fan. He's on his way to getting his head straight. Dowdy, I've never been able to flip. He continues to wear the Blue Jays hats, but. Uh, Kopitar, Dodger fan. Matt Green, Dodger fan. Brown. Uh, Brown. I've seen Mikey Anderson uh, and Jod with the Dodger hats. So we're, we're going to flip Kaliev. Dowdy's a lost cause, but we're going to get Kaliev on board. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bjorn Foot. And by the way, if you end up getting uh, Artie in the batting cage, let me know, because I'd like to, I'd like to uh, write that story. Right. That'd, be, that'd be fun. Uh, right. Turcotte and Velarde. I have Turcotte number two, Velarde number one. Uh, for anybody who reads the Mayor's Manor Prospect Rankings, we survey, we canvas a ton of different people, coaches, GMs, scouts, players, etc. Here's your chance to to weigh in uh, on the record. Who's number one, Turcotte or Velarde? Make your case. No, I, I mean, you have 1A, 1B, something like that. But oh, don't waffle. Okay. Come on. No, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not. I mean, you could. If someone did, if someone did, I'd be okay with that. But um, I agree with the way it is and, and it's just because um you know Gabe's a couple of years older right um you know he's um he's put you know even though he's got hurt I think I think Turk just got drafted last year and Gabe has you know I'm not sure when you put these rankings out but um Gabe Gabe has played 10 games in the NHL right so mm-hmm. so that's where he goes and not only played the games but you know when I say he, he played the game. Like this, he played, you know, enough. He played 15 minutes or something a night. Um, he contributed. He had seven or eight, seven points in those games. Um, he scored on his first six seconds over the board. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, he also performed in the minors. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, he performed in the minors to a level that would be good. To, I'm not sure, 
should do elite, you know, for the games that he played as a young 20-year-old. So that's hard to do. That league is tough. I mean, it is a tough league, and when you're young, it's hard and demanding. So he's coming off, Gabe was coming off a year of not playing hockey, not playing games, and they're throwing him into the league at Christmas time when the guys have already been going. And he gets going there and gets his feet going and then, and then, then becomes a player that is to be reckoned with in that league. You know what I mean? A good American Hockey League player as a 20-year-old. Like the, the player that when we go down there to the games, when he went on the ice or down the car play, like we're on the edge of our seats, you know, looking to see what he's going to do. So, sure. so you're right. It's, 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 Gabe, Gabe won, um, but Turk, um, you know what I mean? He just will put the time in and he'll be chasing him. That's the kind of player Turk is. He's going to want, you know what I mean? He's going to want to have that, that number there for sure. I have uh, three guys that will wear letters in Los Angeles at some point. Anderson Dolan, Turcott, and Mikey Anderson. You want to throw another name in there? Uh, just um, our young guys? Yeah, one of the prospects. You're right. Um no, I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with you on that, but, um, you know, Fagamo, Fagamo is an interesting um, kid um, just because he, you know, if he continues on with, you know, he brings people into the game type of thing. That's how he plays. So he might be a kid on that list. Um, if you were going to go sweet, I thought you would have said Bjornfoot. Yeah, I thought you had him there. He was going to be my next guy too. You know what I mean? Because Kobe... <laughs> I thought, you know, you know, I mean, here we go. I'm going to start talking about each guy has those characteristics, but Toby does. Like, he's a guy that you walk in the locker room. It's awesome to watch. He's a guy, like, I remember so many guys like this when, you know, back. Then. Like, he, he sits in the locker room. He, he doesn't say a lot, but he knows exactly what's going on everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he's picking up everything. He's picking up everything. He doesn't have to say much. And then he goes on the ice, and he's got, a, like, a computer in his brain just because he's remembering everything. He remembers everything the coach said. He remembers everything about a play that happened a month ago. He remembers, you know, his teammate, what he might have did 10, 10 games ago in the same situation. It just, he has flashbacks. It's just a, a, he's constantly... Toby's constantly taking pictures of how the game is happening. And then, then it helps him, it helps him, you know, as he moves on and moves throughout the game. But, um, that's why he, he, he would be a leader in that regard. Just he's quiet and he goes and he does the right thing and, and people will follow him. Just like at the World Juniors this year, just, you know, a kid and a, a young player at World Juniors and kid, see the coach is throwing him out there, he's defending everything, not making any mistakes. Um, so yeah, him. But you know, one guy, one guy to think about here, uh, Dennis and John, um, in that role. And I'm not saying because you're not going to fall ahead of any of those guys, but I'm just going to give him prop, uh, due to, you know what I mean? And was a captain at Owen Sound. You're right. Uh, well, we yeah, we have a lot of captains on this list that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah we do but, actually. But, <laughs> but but and here's why: because different different than the other guys, different different than the other guys in a way where. He's kind of, he's kind of like the guy that, when people come in the locker room, they gravitate towards him because he's he's fun. He's good to be around. He's fun to be around. He's a he's a great teammate. You know what I mean? He, um, he brings the guys together. 
And believe me, uh, Dale Hunter and that Karen team, that, that coaching staff and the management staff, they had their eyes on him like six months before that team went over there to Europe. Mm-hmm. Even though he hurt, got hurt and broke his finger, they knew they needed that type of guy at the bottom of their lineup. Well, they held that you know roster I mean? spot for him, I mean, till the absolute last minute. I mean, he was injured, for those that don't know the story, he was injured just days before the, the announcement of the, the team who was going to go to camp there in early December and then was injured at the start of camp. So, I mean, they held that spot for him. And when you're talking about Team Canada at the World Juniors, that's the ultimate competition for a roster spot. So uh, I would agree with you. I mean, they, they knew they wanted him and they were going to do anything they could to get him on that team. Exactly. And, you know, he, his finger's broke. He's not able to play. Can't play any game. Was told, you, you, you know, you're not going to be able to play. They hold the spot for him. Um, and here's a kid, he's, what, what are people going to say? He's too small. You know, he's not going to be able to play. Do this, do that. Everyone's saying he's got a knock against him the whole time. But then when you're trying to win a championship, a kid like him, you know, they need, you need him on your team. And it showed in the, in the world juniors, he played his line played against the other team's top line. They're playing against the, you know, put the, those in the Vancouver pick and playing against all the top Swedes. And so they played against, um, you know, Turk and, you know, the top guys on team USA. So no, dude, it's just because, um, you know, just, I'm not saying he's going to go ahead of those guys as far as leadership goes, but sure. just another another guy that has an option himself in a good way. All right, the last prospect question for you. This has been great stuff, Nelly. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on, Kings of the Podcast. Uh, which prospect reminds you of you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, reminds me of me. Actually, I read this somewhere. Um. I and I don't know if it's a good thing because <laughs> you know this, do you want one of our guys to be me? I don't know. I hope it's a good thing. I mean, but um, I would I would I, I I would hope that I played um, when I was younger, not maybe when I was with the King, which maybe you know fans remember me in here. But I'm thinking back to my when I started in St. Louis. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. in my Winnipeg days, maybe as a player. Um, so I think I'd be, I think I, I hope I played like Bagamo played and I hope I had the brain and smart of uh, Madden. Nice. All right. Okay. So, yeah. So yeah. now, now, well, now uh, let's know. talk a little bit about the uh, big club. So the questions are going to get a little bit harder, which is okay. Since John gave you a nice 40 minutes of uh, <laughs> easy question. So now look, defend it. The season didn't finish the way you wanted, but when play stopped, the team was clicking. They won seven in a row. Quick found his form. Like the team's defensive strides have, have happened. So now, big picture now, the consensus is you're not, even though you have cap space, you're not going to play in the free agency market. So is next season going to be a situation where the way John just ran down 15 players, that you're going to be able to evaluate who's going to be able to fit in what slot and you're not going to really be importing established talent? Is that probably what's going to, the direction the team's going to go in next season? Right. I mean, we're still we're still on course to um, do what we set out to do, and we're we're not we don't feel we're in a position to be, you know, adding a player like like you're talking about. Obviously, right. we will explore. We will explore because you know, obviously, on left defense, um, you know, there's there's a hole there, and you know, maybe a chance for for a, a winger at some point. But 
Um, we don't feel we're in a position to be doing something like that mm-hmm. yet. So sure. um, we're still we're, we're still on on track to um, seeing this thing through. And without question, you got the coach right. Uh, we, John and I both love Todd. He's been fantastic, great add to the organization. But but can you see progression in the organization where you could add ten or twelve points and maybe be playing? You know, by the time you get to game seventy and next year, maybe you're still in the race. Do you think there'll be that much progression? I'm not saying contending, not saying winning, winning division titles, but could you be in the conversation next season for a wild card spot? Well, I mean that the the you want to improve every year, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think obviously, you know, the, the seven games at the end, you know, the team playing better. Um, you know, I think obviously you get some excitement there. You know, you got to be a little careful, you know, how to read into that because it is at the end of the year, right. you know, depending on how teams are playing against us as they come in. So we got to be a little careful with that. But we, we do realize that, you um, you did talk about Todd and I think it's just the guy's, you know, and I think it's been stated on a number of, in a number of places. It took the guys, you know, till Christmas time sure. to really, you know, figure out how the way the way Todd wanted us to play, and you know, then we slowly started to get better. Our special teams started to get better. Now, will we be in a position next year at, um, you know, at you know, trying for a wild card spot or something like that? Obviously, that is our intention as we start the season. Um, you know, we're hoping that to be closer, and obviously, we're going. We, we demand and we, we want improvement in our point total for sure. But remember, we will, probably, we will be younger next year right. than we were this year. Sure. So, you know, all that all that has to come into play as a factor. But, we're again, we are we are excited about what we saw, you know, the last couple months of the season. And, you know, we are hoping for a continuation of that. You know, one resource really hasn't panned out for you guys. The Kovalchuk thing, we know it didn't work. And Prokorkin's probably going to go back to the K. There was some talk about Nestorov maybe coming over. Is the KHL not an option for this team at this point, or, or would you continue to look for players from the KHL to help add to this team? Well, you know what we we'll look we'll look everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. But um, we have to we have to make sure that you know we if we are bringing in a player, you know, no matter where he's from. You know, we have to make sure that it's not going to affect what we're what we're doing here. You know, and that's that's building with the young players that we talked about previously, sure. and, and moving forward like that. And then, obviously, you know, we're still very lucky to have um, some great veteran players and some superstars with us, like Kopi and Drew and Quick and and Carter. You know, those guys. So and Browning too. So we have to make sure that the player that we bring in fits. Fits what we're trying to do um, with the group, but also fits in with you know the younger players that will be coming up, um, you know, in the next year or two. So a lot goes into it. Um, The answer to your question is no. We're we're gonna we'll look at all those things, but the player has to be the right fit and the right salary too. And one last one for me, Nell. You you talked about the left side D. I want to talk about the left side forwards. Okay, so Alex, I follow. Solid, really great job this year to increase his point production, yeah. right? And then, but when you look at the toolbox that Alex brings and you look at the toolbox that Adrian Kempe brings, I, I would think their numbers should be switched, right? A- Adrian is certainly the more talented player. So, like, what are your feelings about, about Kempe? I, I think he's been an enigma. I think he should produce more. You tried him at center, it's probably not going to work. You're probably going to put him on the left side. So, with respect to, to Kempe, what do you think ultimately happens with this player? Well, I- I think it's, I think he's coming to the area of his career where, you know what I mean, he's going to have to um, 
for himself, this is really important for him the next couple of years. You know what I mean? He's had those, he had those years where you would consider him, um, you know, a, a new player in the league, mm-hmm. a rookie in the league, a young player in the league. Those that probably won't be written about him anymore. Now he's kind of getting into that stage where okay, I've been in the league long enough. I know how it works. Okay, who am I as a player? So we saw we saw Adrian. Um, you know, when he moved to the, I'm surprised. Like I see him as a centerman, just being the skating and things like that. But it seems like he's he had a lot of success on the wing, and you know what? He had a lot of success with those young players he played with at the end. At the end you yeah. know what I mean? Playing with, um, I think it was Moore and Lazard or Wagner and Lazard. I think it was because he felt like he could be the leader on that line. Okay. You know what I mean? Like he could be the he older guy. You didn't have guy. to defer to the, the better players, the older players. Well, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, we, we've talked about that and we said that about Adrian. You know, maybe that, maybe there's something to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. I mean, we see a guy that has, you know, skates like, like, Nobody else in the league, right? Never, right? You know that type of thing. Um, has all the all the tools. I think was it his first goal he ever scored in the NHL when he came off the wall and took a rifter top shelf, and then you know it was an unbelievable goal. Um, he scored three goals in the game in Montreal. Um, he scored a couple of shorthanded goals where you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's like the elite of the elite. So um, yeah, I mean it's um, you know we're looking for that thing. From him, and I think I think his last the way he ended here is you know I think the way that we would expect him to come back next year and uh, big things from him, so for sure. All right, Nelly, it's been a fantastic time having you on. We'll have to get you back on, and we can talk uh, Kelly Chase stories, maybe Dominic Lavoie, maybe we can uh, go deeper into your career. But uh, it, for now, it's going to be an adjustment for me. I'm going to have to get Nelly out of my head, and it's going to be Emmer from <laughs> this point forward. I'll wait for yeah. your text later tonight when you finally think of another player who has a first name nickname. Until then, I will. <laughs> yeah. We we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, be now. careful surfing, and uh, we'll talk soon. <laughs> All right, guys. No, it's good. Thank you very much. Nelson Emerson, fantastic interview. DB on wow. the other side of the break, we can break that down a little bit for sure, man. Back in a second. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Third period, DB, you have any energy? Oh, you have a Red oh, Bull sitting right yeah, there, so you're that. ready to go. That was about 50 minutes with uh, with Nell. He was great, and he was Emmer. 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 Oh, I'm sorry, Emmer. Let's go to Emmer. <laughs> and very transparent, especially the questions I asked. So good, and hopefully we'll bring him back on once we get closer to the draft. Maybe we'll get your guy Yanetti on. He'll talk for seven hours. That'll be great. Love you, and John Con. Mark Yanetti is the smartest guy in hockey. I've said that many times, and that's that's my opinion. Look, I've been critical of the organization, but I tell you, they, they've done a, 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 many things right. The prospect pool, they've left Yanetti alone mm-hmm. to do his job, and he's done a fantastic job. They got the coach right now. They've got to, you know, they, they've got to evaluate these prospects, and then and and as Nelson said, they got to integrate players. But I get it. You don't want to integrate players now because you want to see how these players develop. And there's an evaluation process. So, you know, it was, yeah, 
I would hope some improvement, and the team will be younger. Mm-hmm. But I would hope that it's not going to be another 72-point season next season. It's not. I think they will be playing meaningful games uh, in March. We talked about yeah. this on the last podcast. Yep. Speaking of meaningful games, DB, yes. let's wrap up today in the third period here, talking about what the NHL is planning to do. Their, pl- yep. their, their plan to return, their playoff yep. games. Uh, the interesting thing is the round robin, which is kind of like the yeah. World Juniors or the Olympics, right, where you right. have this this pool. It's weird. It's just it, it doesn't weird. feel it's like totally the Stanley weird. Cup playoffs to me. A round robin portion. So in the East, playing in the round robin, you have Boston, Tampa, Washington, and Philly. I would assume everybody knows what this means. If you don't, it means that they all play against each other, yeah, right? And then you have to sort of rank them to determine point the, values. For yeah, to determine the seedings, just like the World Juniors and just like the Olympics. So Boston, Tampa, Washington, and Philly. Who comes out of the Eastern? conference uh round robin to you who's number one in that you know i don't know how they're gonna play that john i think certainly when we closed play boston was clear they separated from tampa they're clearly the best team but there's age who knows what's going to happen with respect to a standing slot the other teams are healthy stamkos is going to be back for tampa i think i think tampa is probably the most motivated uh because there it's their time now philly look the one team I think that really got robbed when we stopped playing was Philly. They won nine out of ten. They were hot. Not eight. Boston. They were robbed of the number one overall seed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But Philly was playing so good. Carter Hart was a guy. AV's done a great job. They've got really good. I mean, I know you. Don't you get on the Philly. Flyers bandwagon. Yeah, I, I saw you pointing it's at me. Just, don't. Don't. No, there's no room for you. <laughs> okay. There's no room for you. That's a real team of the future. So I think at this point, I think Boston's a favorite. But it's weird, John, because you mentioned about seeding. Um, you're not playing for home ice advantage, right? right. That, that's it. <laughs> but you. But the one thing about it is because they're going to this conference setup, they are going to reseed. I mm-hmm. think that's the key. So if you had a situation where Pittsburgh got upset by Montreal, then Boston would play Montreal out of the box. So there is there is reason to play for this. Sure. The one concern I have is that if you play three games and one of your players gets injured, then what? Mm-hmm. You played it for a seeding. So I think that's the interesting part about that. So I, I would certainly like Boston. I just think the most motivated team is Tampa. So it wouldn't shock me if Tampa went all in and tried to win that because again they, they need it, John. Because remember last oh, year, oh, I remember, playoffs, right? <laughs> I think everybody remembers, <laughs> right? They, they <laughs> especially to, in Columbus, <laughs> they have to have no doubt coming in, so they might go in. And I just think what happens is these teams, even though it's really not that much of an advantage. Once they get their competitive juices flowing, they're going to be playing hard against these teams. Well, this is the playoffs, too. Although it's yeah. not a playoff series, these yeah. games are playoff games because yeah. uh, of the way that it's going to it's going to ha- impact what happens in the next round, which and is the first round. And there'll be two exhibition games as well, so they can get the kinks out. But it's interesting to see if they'll rest players or whatever. I, if I was Washington, I might... Like, I might not care and say, look, maybe we should rest over a game, maybe rest Bastrom, and they're a little bit of an older team. Uh, but it's going to be really intriguing the, the way they're going to do this. I was leaning towards taking Boston, but I'll tell you what, I'm just going to go out of the box here a little bit. I'm going to take Washington to come out of that, okay. that pool. I just think that uh, they will they will show that they're... Don't forget about me. That, that's, yeah, that I no, think right. is going to be their theme. Don't forget about me. All right, so we can't even really do a bracket uh, because they're going to reseed after yeah. every round, so we'll just take it round by round then. So yeah. in the Eastern Conference, first round, you have Montreal versus Pittsburgh. Who comes out of that series? I know they keep talking about Carey Price. There's, they lost four times to Detroit. So come on. Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh, gonna right? Yeah. right exactly. Okay, Pittsburgh's coming out of that. Uh, the Rangers versus Carolina. This is interesting, John. The Rangers went 4-0 against Carolina. Don't make me kick Carolina. you in the leg. Who are you going the with? Four, the, the Rangers went 4-0 against Carolina this year. Okay. Rangers. I'm taking Rangers, too. All right. Okay. I thought you were going to jump on the bandwagon and, you know. No, I'm all not right. Rangers. Ah, this is boring radio, DB. <laughs> we have all the same picks. Uh, Florida versus the Islanders. 
Now, this is an interesting coaches matchup. You yeah. have two of the winningest coaches in NHL history, yeah. right? You have, uh, uh, in Florida, you have Joe Quinville, Q and, and then you Trotz. have uh, Barry Trotz uh, on the island. So, a lot here. Um, Florida. Real, okay, we're going to differ. I'm gonna go, yeah. I can't go against the Islanders. I have to go okay. with Barzell, so I'm going with the Islanders. Okay. And then the Blue Jackets against the Maple Leafs. Oh, this one, this one tugs at the heartstrings. <laughs> um, Columbus is going to be healthy. Right. But so Seth Jones is coming back. There's just too much talent. Look, look Toronto's not playing Boston, so I got to pick Toronto. Okay, I'm going to go with you. I'm on that one here. I'm going to go with okay. Toronto. Uh, so, but Cliff that's really intriguing. You know why, John? Because the style of two teams are 180 degrees from each other. Mm -hmm. Toronto's want to go, go, go. Columbus is going to be playing to the defensive style and maybe coming out of the box with not playing for three months and lack of chemistry. Like we can go to the and we took up at Edmonton in the other in the other in the other. Uh, do we have division. to? Yeah, we do. <laughs> we absolutely do. But I think that's the one thing. If you want to lean toward thing, and it goes to your Islanders pick. If you want to lead toward the more defensive teams in the first round because the chemistry of the the offense is not going to be there. It's like baseball, mm -hmm. right? In April, pitching's ahead of hitting. So maybe defense is ahead of offense. So it might take them a little bit longer to get going. But I'm going to go with Toronto because I just think that pound for pound, the, the roster's better. I have to go with Toronto for the, the roster reasons that you mentioned. However, if there was a team that's ripe for the picking for because of those chemistry issues and whatnot, and just how the Blue Jackets are, yeah. they have that mentality of, you know, us Agreed. against the world. In a five-game series, it's not going to be easy. That for could be a problem for Toronto, so we'll have to see what happens there. All right. So in the Western Conference, you have the the round robin. You have St. Louis. This is the pool of death right here. Yeah. St. Louis. This reminds me of the World Junior Pool this year, uh, which was the pool of death with the U.S., Canada, right. and Russia. So you have St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas. And I know that everybody just wants to immediately scratch Dallas, Dallas off out. the list, but. I'm not willing to do that. I think Dallas could could be just as competitive as any of those other teams. Who do you like in the, those four, though? Well, to your point on Dallas, their style of play is closer to St. Louis, which one? Um, it is really difficult. The top three teams I love, like Vegas, they're going to be healthy. Colorado, everybody's going to be healthy there. And they have the, my MVP and Nathan McKinnon. But St. Louis is so mentally tough, John. And when you listen to their quotes, like they want to win again. Mm -hmm. And they've had three months off. Mm -hmm. And they get Tarasenko back. I just, I just love their maturity. I love their approach to the game. I, a slight edge to St. Louis over Colorado at this point in time, but I can't, I, I can't eliminate Vegas because they've got two number one goalies now. So it's, it's going to be really, really interesting. And you mentioned the pool of death. Those three round robin games are going to be really, really interesting. I want to take Dallas. I really do. But by the slimmest of margins, I'm going to go with St. Louis as yeah. well. I, I just I think that they have that little extra something compared to Colorado and Vegas. And by the way, for anybody listening who's ever followed Mayor's Manor online uh, or on Twitter, this is the first time in history I've ever picked St. Louis yeah, to do yeah. anything. So, this, uh, which probably means it's not going to work out well for them. Right. So, okay, getting on to the, uh, the the other games here, we have Chicago versus Edmonton. I have absolutely zero interest in this series. How about you? I think this is the most exciting series there is. Boring. No. You've got McDavid and Drysdale on one side, Meh. Kane and Taze on the other Meh. side. The thing with Edmonton, though, is they had the number one power play, I think number two penalty kill. Well, are they going to find that chemistry out of the box? This is the most dangerous. If they're going to play any of those teams in the, of the eight, Chicago's the worst team for them to play. Chicago beat them in the season series. I'm picking Chicago. You're going with the Blackhawks. I'm going to pick oh, Chicago. Man, Daryl Sutter is going to love you. Expect a text from him later tonight. He's <laughs> oh, yeah. he's stoked Maybe. on that. All right. Uh, Nashville versus Arizona. This is the series that I'm most interested you, in. Oh, I am. This is the most boring series for no, me, bro. Arizona, to me, it, it, I want to see, can the Arizona Coyotes, I want to see if they are. So okay. I, I, 
before the break, before the weirdness, I thought they were a sleeper. I kept saying that you over did. and over. That okay. all they needed to do is get healthy and goal again. Mm-hmm. And I like that team. I like the coaching. I like the way that they play. I've talked to several uh, uh, Kings players that have played against them. They talk about how they they play with speed, but yet they smother you at the Control, same time. Right. Yes. So I'm really interested in Arizona. If they can find the magic again, uh, they are a sleeper team for me. So I'm very interested in that series. And Nashville, just, you know, can they ever get going? Can they get out of their own way with yeah. all of their all of their players and all the moves that they make and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Uh, they tried to yeah. they tried to rebuild that team two or three times over the last, it seems like four or five years, yeah. and they just haven't found the magic ingredients yet. Yeah, now Soros might play goal. He was great down the stretch. And I think there's a lot, this is the prove it series for me because Hall really didn't do much when he came to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Phil Kessel really has had challenges. And Duchesne and Johansson. There's going to be one really disappointed team out of those two. For sure. Go out. Well, Hall has all the reasons in the world to be playing <laughs> to be playing for. You should be motivated. <laughs> millions and millions of dollars at stake. Uh, the next series, Minnesota versus the Canadian Kings, uh, the Vancouver. So you're going up against Toffoli and Pearson up there. So what do you, what do you, what do you like in you know, this? It's funny. We had Jesse Granger from The Athletic on, the, uh, on Hot Stove yesterday. And he said that Vegas, the one team that gives De- Vegas the most trouble is Minnesota which is interesting to me. But Jacob Marston's healthy. I love their forwards up front. Uh, Travis Green's done a great job up there. I like Vancouver to win that series. Oh, geez. We keep having all the same picks. Oh. I like Vancouver in that series as well. Uh, they're, they're, they're another sleeper. They have that speed. They have that inexperience. Minnesota is just Minnesota. They're, they're, yeah, always, right? they're always the same. Like, nice you know team. who they are. They're a nice team. Nice guys. Yeah. Uh, I would be disappointed if I was the Canucks and I and I lost that series just because I think that's a winnable series for them. Agreed. Where maybe some other matchups might not have been. Uh, you know, yeah. Vancouver versus Edmonton that I might not have that trial. might not have yeah. been uh, the matchup that the Canucks Agreed. would have wanted. This one is winnable in my opinion. All right, Winnipeg versus Calgary. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm also very interested in this particular series. Uh, and not because Derek Forbert is a member of the Flames. That's not the reason, DB. But Winnipeg is a team that I, uh, I mean, I'm not the only one, so it's not like a, a mayor thing, but um, I've liked the Winnipeg Jets the last couple of years. I've really expected, like the Dallas Stars, I've expected more out of Winnipeg, and they just never seem to be able to get over the hump. Is this the year? That's a fascinating series because I don't think it's going to be an easy series. I think this could be the uh, most competitive <laughs> series if you want to use that word game overtime yeah i think i think this is a old school hockey series winnipeg versus calgary or either that or i've made that up in my head one or the other <laughs> but i i think it's a very intriguing series for a lot of reasons it's close look calgary had some issues with peters early in the year but jeff ward rather ship but to me they're the most disappointing team in the west calgary yeah well they, they have so much talent too yeah, with sean monahan i mean yeah. they just they're loaded there with talent i'm and, not sure david ridge is the guy and oh you don't think so no, no I mean, it's <laughs> I, I, and look, if you're betting on Winnipeg, what are you betting on? Connor Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. He should win the Vezina. He was fantastic. Faced the most shots They this have year. some offensive talent, though, yeah, too. No, no. Look, love Kyle Connor. Love Patrick Alani. Blake Wheeler has been is certainly a leader on and off the ice. Uh, it wouldn't shock me to win. And I would pick them to win. I just, I'm not a Calgary guy. After watching them last season fall out in the first round, and then this season really underperform, they got a lot to prove. They got more to prove, I think, than Arizona. And I think of all the teams, John, they don't, because you mentioned the talent on that team. Um, if they go out again in the first round, they have to change something structurally. Well, Winnipeg for sure would be would have more expectations than the Coyotes would. Yeah, no doubt yeah. about it. Well, and Winnipeg, if you look at the defensively, we talk about it, all the defections. Bufflin left. They traded Jacob Kruber. They had a better d- defensive effort than they gave up less goals than Vegas and Calgary and Edmonton. So they're not a bad defensive team, even though you look like Nathan Bolio is on the blue line mm-hmm. playing significant minutes. But that that great job 
um, by the coach up there. Um, and I just like Connor Helbuck. I think he can lead them to an upset. It'd be a slight upset. Wouldn't be a big upset, but I agree with you. I think it is going to be a very intriguing and a very tight series. So Boomer asked me the other day uh, on, on, the, on the air about my pick coming out of the West. I'm not ready to, to make a pick because of all the reseeding and everything else. Do, do you want to call your shot? Do you have one team coming out of the West? And if you don't, we can save no. it for later. No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll throw... Um, much as a life St. Louis, I think Colorado's the more talented team, so I'll go with Colorado. Coming out of the West. Do you have a team coming out of the East? Uh, Philly. I was just going <laughs> to tell you that the Stanley Cup final was Flyers and Winnipeg. <laughs> Flyers and Winnipeg. There you go. That's a Stanley Cup I final. I love it. That would be great. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, folks, it's been a long and winding road. Thank you again to Nelson Emerson. Emmer, from this point forward, we'll try to get that to stick. Uh, finally, somebody that doesn't have a Y on the end of their nickname. Exactly. So uh, thanks to Nelson Emerson. DB, thanks for making the time again. Uh, Kings of the Podcast is our second episode in the quarantine world. Soon, 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 we're going to be talking about hockey back on the ice, and we should have uh, plenty more to talk about. It's going to be fantastic, John. Always great spending time with you. Get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers. And 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.